Hello, this is Sarah. Are you calling in response to my personal ad? I think I have the wrong number. Uh, so sorry. Wait, wait, uh, I have a charming personality. Good morning. Hey, this is the, uh, the last week of the series uh, relationship stuff we don't talk about. And I've been telling the services previous to this, I'm, I'm kind of bummed because it's been fun around the office going shh all the time. Um, you know, and, and, and it wouldn't be a relationship series if, if we didn't take, you know, we, we, we talked about, you know, obviously, you know, we're going to talk about parenting, we're going to talk about marriage, we're going to talk about sex. But at this point, we're going to talk about something that is, is, you know, exceptionally complicated, and that's the world of dating. Um, and, 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 and this is something that everybody knows, whether, you know, whether you're a God follower or not. We all know that dating is extremely complicated, and, and it's gotten more so. I think there was a time probably where a talk like this would have been mostly appropriate for people that maybe were thinking about getting into a dating relationship or you're in a dating relationship or something like that. But at this point, I could say that pretty much just about all of us need to, need to think about this because at some point somebody you know or love is going to be uh, in a dating relationship. And as weirded out right now as the world is about the idea of dating, it's probably worthwhile to take a, a, a real objective look and try to figure out what does the Bible say about dating? I mean, that's the ultimate source for our answers, whether we're talking about parenting or marriage or, or even dating. We look at the Bible, try to find out um, what, God, what God has to say about dating. And, and let me just tell you this out of the, out of the get-go. Um, it, when, when I started looking into the concept of, of um, what the Bible says about dating, there's not just an awful lot. I'm just being real honest with you. There's not a, it doesn't say, yes, do date. It doesn't say, no, don't date. It doesn't say, when you go out on a date, this is, this is what you should do or, or, you know, the kind of person you should be on a date with. We, 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 that's not in black and white. We have lots of scripture throughout the Bible that points us in the right direction, but it, it's not like I'm going to say, well, we're going to turn to this passage and, and here it is right here in black and white. This is what the Bible says about dating. In fact, in the Bible, most relationships that were, you know, headed towards marriage um, were arranged. And, you know, when somebody says arranged marriage, we just kind of cringe, you know, because in 2010 America, that doesn't sound like a very pleasant prospect. Um, and in fact, in the Bible, most uh, arranged marriages were arranged by the parents. All the single folks in the house, how do you feel about that? Um, you know, so that's, that's there. That's in the Bible. And as I started studying the Bible a pattern started to emerge that I hadn't seen before uh, related to dating. And that was this. I started looking at the types of arranged marriages there were in the Bible. And there's certainly marriages arranged by parents, but also there were, there were marriages that were arranged by a person. Look, look at the story of Samson, which is a, a wonderful story. We don't have time to go into this morning. But in the story of Samson, you have a man who told his parents, I don't particularly care about who you would want to pick for me. He saw a woman that he liked, and he said, get her for me. He literally arranged his own marriage. It was a, a me-arranged marriage. And I think that's what, mostly what we can relate to, right, in our culture, is, is me-arranged marriages, Somebody goes out there, they try to find the perfect person for them, and, and you know, they make all the decisions about timing and everything, and then they get, you know, this, this is what the culture tells you you're supposed to do, right? But in the Bible, you know, that's two of the three categories. The other category that sort of stuck out to me was there's at least one marriage in the Bible. There's possibly more than one, but there's at least one marriage that is a stark example of a marriage that was arranged by God. 
Well, I mean, if those are the options, I mean, let's, I mean we sort of take parent-arranged marriages off the table temporarily, and the two main options at this point would be a me-arranged marriage or a God-arranged marriage. I would say that for most of us as God followers, we would be interested in knowing, how, how do I have one of those God-arranged marriages? And I already, some of you in the room are thinking to yourself, Jonathan, this is a message on dating. You've used the M word an awful lot already. Keep saying marriage, 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 marriage. Isn't this, this, is a, this, is a, this is a message about dating, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I promise I'll come back to this, but let me give you this. You can chew on it, and, 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 and I, I will come back to the, my reasoning for saying this, but this is sort of a foundational element of where we're going this morning. The process of relationships it was designed by God. There is friendship, and there is marriage. In the middle is commitment. There is a certain threshold of commitment necessary for intimacy, and God designed marriage to be the ultimate destination point for a dating relationship. So a dating relationship should be a vehicle towards marriage. And, and we're going to get there, I promise. I'm going to come back to that. But that's the reason. If you're wondering, Jonathan, why you keep talking about marriage? Be, marriage and dating are in the same boat, okay? Because dating is headed towards marriage. Maybe, maybe for some of you that sounds like kind of a frightening prospect, but we'll get there too. Um, but in any case, uh, we're, we're going to be talking about those a lot together. But if, if, if we were honest with ourselves, if we're a God follower, we, want the, you know, we know that God wants the best for us, we would probably say, yeah, I want one of those God-arranged marriages. And so really quickly this morning, we're going to talk about um, a me-arranged marriage versus a God-arranged marriage, some mistakes that we make, common mistakes. And, and if, you're, if you're a single person in the room this morning or you know somebody who's single in a dating relationship, you might want to jot a couple of these things down because I'm going to talk about three very common mistakes that we make trying to get into a me-arranged marriage. Now, the first mistake that we commonly make getting into a me-arranged marriage is we get ahead of God. The idea is we sort of start to think to ourselves, God must have forgotten about me. I mean, why do we, let me step back for a second. Why do we even date in the first place? Well, we date because we know inside, all of us, whether we're a God follower or not, we know inside that we have a desire for an intimate relationship with someone else. And we value that, don't we? I mean, here's the deal. You know, take this into Facebook terms, you know, something we all understand. When, 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 when Bobby accepts Susie's friend request, it's, it's not something that people go, aww, Billy and Susie are friends. No, but, but if Billy were to say that he and Susie are in a relationship, well, now that's a, that's a completely different thing. And, and we know this. We know this. We, we try to make it out like relationships are just on some sort of sliding scale, but we do know. All of us know there's sort of a threshold that gets crossed, right? I mean, you know, you can work that backwards, what happens when you're going out with somebody and they decide this isn't for us? What do they say? They say, let's just be friends, right? We all know what that means. So there's a, you know, we understand that we're, whatever you want to call it. You know, I, I, I was telling the earlier services that I did some intense research for this message. And of course, in 2010 America, uh, intense research is Wikipedia and Google. Um, <laughs> And, 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 and as I was doing that, I was reading some articles that said, you know, we shouldn't refer to it as dating, because that's sort of like, you know, Wally Cleaver comes to your door to date your daughter, and, and, and Beaver is, is in the, uh, you know, the backseat as a chaperone, and, and, and nobody does this anymore. That's the old school. So let's not even call it dating. You know, it's going out, it's relationships. Okay, so whatever we want to call it. We all know there's the threshold that you cross, right? So we know that's there. 
And so we think, well, maybe God doesn't know I'm ready to cross the threshold. Maybe God doesn't know I want to I, I be in this relationship with somebody. But we start to, what we think is we sort of get impatient, we get ahead of God. Have you ever gotten ahead of somebody who is trying to help you out? I remember uh, my last church, uh, one of my, my primary responsibilities actually was overseeing the television ministry uh, at, at the church. And we were building a little studio, you know, to film little video snippets and so forth and do work for the broadcast. And, and I must tell you ahead of time, I'm not a construction guy. I don't know anything about construction, don't know anything about, I do watch a little bit of HGTV, but I, other than that, I, you know, I, I don't really know much. And, and we needed to put up a, a fake wall. Well, I mean, it was a real wall, but it, it had served no functional purpose. It was there so that we could film stuff in front of it. And so since I, knowing that, that I'm a man of very little construction brain, I called a friend of mine and said, hey, would you come in and set up this wall? And, and he said, sure, no problem. He came in and he set up the wall. It was about 11 o'clock at night. He had another job. About 11 o'clock at night, we finished with the, I say we, he finished with the framing and the, and the two sheets of, of, of drywall and all there was left, and I don't know anything, I just know that there's this seam down the middle, and he said, look, I gotta come back and mud and tape that, but it's 11 o'clock, I'll come back and finish that. And of course, mud and tape, I have no idea what that is. It sounded interesting, but um, he said, I'll come back and I'll do that on a different day, and I told him when I had to have it by, and, and a couple weeks passed by, we're getting really close to the time when I needed it done. And so, you know, I thought, I think I'm gonna mosey on over to the home improvement store and just find out what this mudding and taping business is. Um, so I went over to the, the home improvement store, and I, and I got the attention of the nearest customer service person next to me, because after all, at a home improvement store, all the people there know everything about home improvement. You know, this is just basic logic. So I went up to the guy, and I said, look, I got a wall. It needs to be mud and taped. <laughs> I have amnesia. I've forgotten how to do it. So if you could just remind me a little bit. And the guy says, look, you know, he, he says, do you watch HGTV? I said, yeah. He said, this is not that hard then. He said, all, all you need to do, he said, you get your tape. He said, make sure you get plenty of mud. I remember he said that, make sure you get plenty of mud because you don't want to run out. And then he said, look, just, just put it on there. And, and then, then he said this. He said, if you make a mistake, just float it out. Well, that sounded cool. So I decided, all right, well, I'll give this a shot. So I went, I went back and I started doing the wall. And, 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 and right away, I noticed there was a little bubble starting to cause me a little issue on the left side. And on the right side, there was this massive crack. But I wasn't worried about it because I was going to float it out. <laughs> and I had this wonderful tool the guy at the store gave me that uh, turned out later on it was better suited to laying bricks than doing sheetrock work. But that's a whole other story. So anyway... I, I, you know, I keep on going, and my boss pokes his head in and says, what'd you, what'd you do, steal over a grapefruit? What's that big thing there? On the, I said, boss, don't worry, I'm going to float that out. And, you know, later on, my wife comes in, and she says, this is a big crack on the right side. And I said, sweetheart, don't worry, I'm going to float that out. You know, and I did, by the way, float it all out. And, and, and at the end of the process, and I started with a five-gallon bucket of mud, because if you have eight feet of sheetrock, that's how much you need to steal one joint. I'm just helping you out here, you know. <laughs> so at the end of the process, I had four gallons of mud on the wall and one gallon of mud eternally permeating my dress clothes. And the wall was now a little radiused, you know. My friend came back, and, and shortly after having a coronary, um, 
You know it. He, could he save the wall? There's, there's absolutely no chance. He had to dismantle the whole thing and start over again. That's funny, you know? We sort of do that in relationships, don't we? We get, get a little ahead of God. He's not showing up quite on time. Deadline's getting a little close. Well, you know, that's a little rough, a little bumpy, but I'll float that out, right? It's not that big a deal. We'll come back to that. There's three things I want to show you in, the, in that God-arranged marriage that I started talking about a minute ago. Three things I want you to, these are the antithesis statements to the three mistakes. The first word is God knew. I want to read to you out of Genesis 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Here's the important thing. God knew all along. This is part of the way a God-arranged marriage worked. God knew all along that Adam had that longing in his heart for somebody else. God hadn't forgotten about him. God knew just where he was. After all, God made Adam. He understood what his needs were. And here's what I want you to get, and I'm going to move on quickly. But God, if you look at that verse, he said, I will make a helper who is just right for him. He had both the knowledge that Adam needed somebody, and here's the beautiful part. He had the intent to do something about it. I'm talking to somebody in this room, you're really discouraged because you've been through some relationships, it doesn't seem like anything's working out, you kind of thought maybe perhaps God's forgotten about me. Can I tell you, God knows where you're at and he has the intent to do something about it. He created you, he made you, he knows where you're at. Let me give you the second thing, the second mistake that we commonly make is we fall victim to the compatibility myth. People who are around me and hear me talk know that this is one of my hobby horses, I get on and ride a lot. Because this is where we are in 2010 America. We're, we're highly evolved, right? We, we know, you know, we know about relationships. We know they're complex. We get that. We know they're complicated. So the idea is, I'm looking for somebody else where the combination in the lock is just perfect, right? Everything matches. And, and, and if I can find somebody who's just perfectly compatible with me, then we'll have a great, great dating relationship, great marriage. And let me just tell you, out of the box, I'm getting ready to say some stuff about some dating sites, and let me tell you, I'm not unilaterally saying that I think meeting somebody on eHarmony is a bad thing, okay? You do what's right for you, but I am just going to make a couple observations, but don't leave here and think, Jonathan thinks, you know, eHarmony is a terrible thing. Um, and, and in fact, I know it's one of the better sites, but I'm going to use them as, a, as an example, so you'll forgive me for that. But, but sites like this will say something to the, to the effect of this. We're going to match you on 39 deep levels of compatibility with another individual. I'm sure the deep levels of compatibility are in contrast to shallow levels of compatibility, but regardless, um, my, my assertion would be this. It would be nice if it were that simple. It'd be nice if 39 levels of compatibility would do it. But we know this. Add a few years. Add some kids. Add a little family stress. Add a little financial stress. And what we learn is those 39 branches of compatibility splay out into a whole lot of other compatibility issues that there is absolutely no way to predict. There's no way you're going to be able to match that combination perfectly. And here... Here's the, here's the thing. God is going to be the first person to tell you, don't settle. I mean, God trotted along all the animals. Remember, Adam has never seen a female. No, no, no woman has ever been created yet on the face of the earth. God trots along all the animals in front of Adam for Adam to name these animals. As if to say, I want you to recognize the right thing when it comes along. 
God's saying, don't you settle. Don't settle. So, so you're, you're thinking to yourself, okay, Jonathan, I'm confused. First you say compatibility is a bad thing. Then you say don't settle. What do you mean by that? Look, compatibility is not a bad thing. Compatibility is massively important. The issue is you're not looking for somebody who's compatible with you. No, no, let, me, let, me, let me give you my backup for that idea. Um, the one universally true thing about people in relationships is that they change. And a lot of people out there tell you people never change. They're wrong. People do change. Circumstances change. People change. This is just part of life. So let me just give you this idea. Suppose you find the perfectly compatible person, and they stay the same. Won't happen, but say they do stay the same. You will change. So how will that person manage to stay compatible with you when you've changed? There's no way. The only important thing is, for the God follower, is the person compatible with God. Here's the thing about God. This is the beauty. Of, you know, it's the axiom we always work back towards. God never changes, okay? In the event that two plus two starts equaling five, God will still be God. In the case that for some reason, the rest of the universe starts revolving around the earth, God will still be God. He never changes. So the beauty is this. When you find somebody who's compatible with God and you're doing your best to be compatible with God, you are magically at that point compatible because you're calibrating to the same standard. And here's the thing. When 30 years pass, 40 years pass, 50 years pass, you don't look the same. You have less hair. Things are a little different. You'll still be compatible because you're compatible with God. And that's one thing that we tend to kind of get quick about tossing out sometimes, isn't it? Well, she has a wonderful personality. She's beautiful. I mean, she just, she makes me laugh. Everything's so wonderful when I'm around her. Yeah, maybe she's not in on this whole God thing. But you know, I'll float that out. (laughs) I better move on. Um, let me give you the, the second word out of Genesis 2. The first word was God knew. God knew that Adam needed somebody. Second word is God made. Verse 21 of Genesis 2. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. God was the original anesthesiologist. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. God was the original surgeon. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. This is very, very important, and I promise I'll move on very quickly. See, other people can set you up on a blind date. They can match you up with somebody. A website, they can match you up with somebody. Only God can make somebody for you. That person who sets you up on a blind date, let me ask you a question. How well do they really know you? The website that you're registered on, how well do they really know you? See, God made you, so he knows you. And God can make somebody who is just right for you. That's what he said when he brought all the animals past Adam. The Bible says there was nobody just right for him. And when God said he was going to make Eve, he said, I will make someone who is just right for him. Those words aren't in the Bible by mistake. God is saying, look, when I get in the business of making somebody for one of my children, they're going to be just right. Don't settle. God made. The third thing, and I must hurry quickly is that we adopt the looking lifestyle, the looking lifestyle. So this sort of splays out in two directions. Um, one, one is the stressor, okay? Let me, let me give you an example of this. I went to a Christian college, um, and there was a phenomenon referred to as senioritis. And the idea was this, you know, 
We've flown in from all over the country to attend this school. We've managed to somehow make it through three years of this school without finding our soulmate. And there's only one year left unless I decide to, you know, take on a double major or something. So I better find somebody right now. If I don't find somebody right now, I will never find somebody for the rest of my life. Guaranteed. It's the stressor. There's some of us maybe even here in this room. The idea is if in 2010 I don't find the right person, I'm going to be a bachelor for the rest of my life. If I don't find somebody in the next couple years, I'm going to be a spinster. Maybe you're stressing. That's one way to go with it. Probably a, a, you know, a more concerning way to go with it is what, what I call the tire kicker. Um, if you're in sales, the, the idea of the tire kicker is, is this, this idea. Somebody who shows up to look, but has no ability, or more importantly, has no intent to commit. Y'all know where I'm going with this? Dating scene is full of this. People are showing up, kicking tires, they're interested in looking, but no intent to commit. None at all. In fact, um, it wasn't too long ago we were at Town East Mall, and Wendy and the girls were at the little play area there outside of Sears, and It was unavoidable for me. I felt the swirling vortex, the power of the massive magnetism drawing me into Sears and and into the electronics department. And, and, And by some incredible weirdness, the eye of the vortex was centered in at the big screen TVs. So I walked over, and, and, you know, I was looking at the big screen TVs, and the sweet sales lady comes up and says, may I help you? And here's what I told her. I said, no thanks, I'm just killing time. But she knew what I meant. I mean, there was a relational dynamic that was set at that point, right? I mean, she's not going to keep coming and checking on me. She's not going to spend her time trying to talk to me all about this television set, because I've already told her. I'm not interested in committing to this. This is just an interesting diversion. I'm just looking around. I'm just killing time. So she knows I'm not going to commit. She walks away. That's the way it should be. By the way, um, in retail, we're very honest about this. When it comes to relationships, we're a little less clear. Why is that? Well, let, let me tell you why, why I think that is, okay? And, and, and you know, chew on this, come to your own conclusions. I think the reason that it's necessary to not be quite as clear in a dating relationship is this. If I were to walk in Tell that lady I was just looking, and then as she's walking away, say, but wait, 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 wait. Could you do me a favor? Could you take this television set down for me and put it in a box? Let me take it home for a couple years and enjoy this set. And because, you know, in the long run, I could totally see myself buying this. Just saying. You know, I I think I would have ended up escorted out by security. But in relationships, we do this. I'm just looking, but, you know, I could see myself with this person. So, you know, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy the intimacy of this relationship that should be reserved for marriage. I'm going to do it because, you know, I might commit some point. And then we'll fly that under the, under the auspices of a committed relationship. You know, committed relationship. Now, it's, it's a euphemism we use for everything but marriage. It includes everything but the marriage certificate. And then I, I'm, I'm kind of off the beaten path here for just a moment. Um, and, and I hope you'll love me when I finish saying this, but I must be completely honest. Because this is an area where a lot of people are getting hurt right now. And so I, I feel the need to just say this. We think we're in a committed relationship. But take God out of the equation temporarily. Even the state of Kansas doesn't think so. 
You know, people that are pe- people that are 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 in a oneness relationship. They're sexually into each other. They're into each other in a living format. They're you know their lives are melded together, just like they're married. But there's no marriage certificate. But the idea is it's okay. We're in a committed relationship. But here's the deal: if you show up at a courthouse in Wichita and tell the judge, I'm, "I need to request to get out of the relationship with my boyfriend," he's gonna laugh you out of the room. Or show up at a courthouse and say, hey, I, you know, it's just not working out with the person I'm in a committed relationship with. I need to get out. There's no need to do that. You, you're free. You can walk away. But see, that's the ugly underside we don't talk about. Because we think everything's cool. We think everything's committed. But the bottom line is the threshold. I, I said I would come back to this. The threshold that, that crosses the line between a friendship and the commitment that crosses the threshold into intimacy is marriage because that is the point at which you have made the ulti- ultimate commitment to that other person. And that's why God created, when God, when God brought Adam and Eve together, he said they were one flesh. You must make the ultimate commitment for that. We wonder why relationships are so weird and complex. Hey, it's, it's pretty simple to God. He says, look, there's friendship and there's marriage. Young lady, young, young man, can I tell you, if he or she is afraid to marry you, but wants to be in a living together relationship with you, it's time to think about that. I'll, I'll, I'll back off of that. The last, the last word out of the three, God knew, God made. Third word, God brought. For the stressor, for the tire kicker, this is what you must understand. Genesis 2, verse 22. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. In a God-arranged marriage, God will bring you the right person. I mean, this wasn't an Easter egg hunt, right? God didn't wake Adam up and say, all right, I made her, go get her. No, God brought her to him as if there were any doubt that she was the one for him. God brought her to him. Can I ask you a question? The person you're dating right now, did God bring them to you? It's a good question. So, you know, those are some pretty, pretty heavy concepts. Be compatible with God. God's going to bring the right person to me. And, 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 and at some point, there's an unanswered question here. I have, I have to work through this very quickly. But when, 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 when I was in college, speakers would come in all the time and talk about dating, and they would not answer this question. So I'm going to try to help you out by answering it. What do I do now? I was single at the time, and I'm thinking, okay, so what is a single person supposed to do? If I'm not supposed to be out there looking, what am I supposed to be doing? Okay, let me, let me run through this really quickly for you, and we'll be done. Three things a single person is supposed to be doing. And by the way, you know, the world right now is, is, is trying to convince you that you're at a disadvantage if you're single. You don't believe me? Look at the magazine aisle on uh, Valentine's Day. The world tells you that you're at a disadvantage if you're single. The Bible says you're at an advantage if you're single. 1 Corinthians seven thirty two. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. And, and, and it'll, in, in this text, it also flips it and talks about uh, um, 
an unmarried woman in the same way. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. Verse 35, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. Watch this, with as few distractions as possible. Three things. What is a single person supposed to be doing? The Bible says, number one, you should be focused. Be focused. Let me ask you something, young person. You're in a dating relationship right now. Is the dating relationship more of a distraction or is it helping you be focused? That's a fair question. The Bible says that a single person, up until the time that you're married, a single person should be focused. And in fact, the Bible says you are at the stage in your life where you can do that. You may never be able to be as single direction focused as you are, as you have the capability to be right now. The second thing is serve. Verse, uh, in the verse 32, it says, an unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. By the way, I'm, I'm running through this really quickly, but here's the deal. It's interesting, Adam was naming animals before God ever brought Eve into the scope of his awareness. God had given him a job. God had given him a calling. There was something he was doing prior to this. And here's the thing. So many of us have forgotten. Sometimes we forget what our calling is because we're so busy looking for somebody. And what God is saying, look, here, you take care of my business. God's saying, you be who I've asked you to be. See, God gives us assignments. God's saying, make sure, just like, just like God had assigned Adam to be naming all these animals, God gives us assignments. And, and he's saying, look, you be worried about your assignment. Do what I've asked you to do. And, I, and in that context is when God brings people in. Last thing is think. Back to verse 32. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. That's pretty self-explanatory. We should be focused, we should be serving, we should be thinking. But let me just throw this one thought at you, something else for you to chew on. Thinking how to please God. My wife's here this morning. It's very difficult for me to think about what pleases Wendy and simultaneously be doing something that displeases her. And this is where we get into trouble when it comes into dating relationships. Sometimes we're doing something right now that we know displeases God. And what God says is, look, this is your time. This is the time to be thinking about what pleases God. And in that, time, in that moment, when, when you're focused and you're serving and you're thinking, God says, that's when I'm going to bring the right person into your life. And then let me just close with this. <clears throat> you might be thinking to yourself, okay, Jonathan, you said don't go looking just like God, bring the right person in your life. Here's what I'm concerned about. How will I recognize them? That's a fair question. I was in Chicago O'Hare Airport a while back. Can't remember where I was going, but I was in a layover. And um, it was post 9-11 because you had to, you know, go out of the, the, um, the gate area to get to sort of like a main area in order for people to meet up with you. And I think I was going there to eat or something. I was following this guy, and I, I noticed him because he was like 6'7" big, tall, slender guy. And, and you know, and uh, so I, I, for some reason that stuck in my head. And as we walked into this public area, he met this gal who was at least as tall as he was. I don't know. I just, it stuck out to me for some reason. And as I was walking past, I heard her say something to him to the effect of, I was worried we wouldn't be able to recognize each other because there's so many people here. I thought, it doesn't take a rocket science. I think I'd give you an explanation for that. Funny how tall people can see over a sea of shorter people. You know, I, this, is, this is the assertion I would make to you, and then you think about this. 
If you're focused on what pleases God, if you're serving God, if that's what you're thinking about is what will please God, you'll stand out. In 2010, America, you'll stand out. And the beautiful thing is, when that person comes along who's also focused, serving, and thinking about what will please God, you don't have any problem spotting them. You'll, you'll know. You'll know when that person comes along. And this is the thing. When that person does come along, it'll be time. We'll pray together. Father, thank you so much for our time together talking about your word and, and your directing us in relationships, Father, for success in life. And pray that you would help us as each of us, Father, tries our, our best to please you. You keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. It could be possible. Maybe this isn't your first week at New Spring. Maybe you've, you've been hearing things all through this series about God having a relationship with Christ. And, and maybe this morning as you were listening to this, you were thinking, you know, I don't really have a relationship with Christ. And you sort of felt that tugging at your heart that this is something that, that I need. I want to accept a relationship with Christ. You can do that. God's already paid the price so that you can have a relationship with him. And he's already extended the ask to you. Would you accept him? All you have to do is is, is say yes, I will accept you. I'm going to pray this prayer. There's no magical content to the words. But if you mean it from your heart, God will save you. Here's that prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. I know that I'm a sinner I know I can't save myself. I accept your gift of eternal life. Forgive me for my sins. I believe in you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.